0: TheWellnessCoach.com, streaming wellness into your lives. Welcome to The Abnormal Psychologist, the show that shares everyday insights into getting the best out of your mind, body, and lifestyle. Now please welcome your host, The Abnormal Psychologist herself, Carrie Thompson-Casey there everybody and welcome to another episode of the abnormal psychologist with me your host carrie thompson casey the show where we are giving you the how-to to get the best out of you and today we are talking about discipline and what it means to be disciplined some of you might be very disciplined and some of you might be a little bit like me and don't find that discipline comes very easy but recently i read a an article that talked about discipline in the smallest of places, so just by brushing your teeth or practicing your golf swing, or or even making your lunch for the day is actually being disciplined. And when I thought about discipline, I wondered who or what profession is incredibly disciplined. And one is what I think is is the profession of ballet. So I am so lucky today to have with me Alyssa who is from the ballet world and is going to talk to us all about being in the ballet and being disciplined. So welcome, Alyssa. Thanks, Carrie. So Alyssa, tell us a little bit about your story. How did you um, come to arrive in the world of ballet? Well, when I was little,
1: I think it was um, the 1977 Olympics or something like that. I was watching the gymnastics on TV and said to my mum, that's what I'd love to do. And so she tried to get me into gymnastics classes, but they were all full. So I found myself at ballet classes and um, made some lovely friends and just absolutely loved it. And I suppose that's where my story began. That was in Sydney at the time. And then I progressed through different exams. And then from the age of about 11, I was dancing six days a week, which I think, um, looking back, was pretty full on. I certainly didn't have time for tennis or any other activities actually so it was very focused on dance but that was my passion and I was really supported by my mum.
0: So how did that decision get made that that suddenly dancing would go from a a fun activity as a young girl to suddenly six days a week was it you or was it your parents or was it a teacher recognising a gift?
1: I think my teacher at the time, Prue Bowen in Sydney, mentioned to my mum that I had potential and mum was very supportive in that Um, and so mum was a single mum so I suppose it made and I'm an only child um, from that marriage so I think that her backing me up was an easier decision other than having to sort of drive other children around and that sort of thing. So... Um, yeah that's how it sort of began and I continued doing exams and dancing in Sydney and then when I was 15 I auditioned for the Australian Ballet School and was fortunate enough to be accepted so mum and I moved to Melbourne um, from 88 to 1990 where I was very lucky as I said to receive some amazing experiences and education with some really fabulous teachers so I was very blessed it was very hard few years as you can imagine we were pretty much in the studio from about 7.30 or 8 o'clock in the morning warming up and classes were from about 9 till 5 or 6pm with rehearsals and then by our third year we were in a touring company, um, the dancers company and performing some ballets on stage with some amazing principal artists from the Australian Ballet and that sort of thing. So I do look back on those times and, and realise how fortunate I was to have that training.
0: So you mentioned you had to audition. Were there many other girls there? How are you feeling? Do you remember what it was like to walk into, I guess it's a dance hall, and and have these examiners looking at you? Can you paint that picture for us? What was that like? Mm. Uh,
1: I was extremely nervous. I know that. Um, there were probably about 130 or 40 girls and probably about 20 boys at that time. Um, we'd... Sent in our applications and photos prior to the audition date and then we would stand in front of these adjudicators and teachers you know first position face the front face side on basically they're checking your body out every inch um, and then we all did a class and I did notice one famous dancer who became my teacher Kelvin Coe was sort of watching me and I could tell he was sort of pleased so I, I always feel that that was you know he was on my side at <laughs> that audition so, yeah, from then we I received the letter saying I'd been accepted. Yeah, it was fabulous.
0: What was that like? What, what happened then? So it sounds like the family, well, your yeah. mum.
1: Yeah. Your mum and you decided, okay, let's pack up, let's mm. go. That's right. Well, I remember receiving the letter and um, we played Beethoven's Ode to Joy with the windows down and the music full blast, which shows how daggy I am and how much I love classical music. I'm sure most normal 15-year-old teenagers would play some, some other music, but anyway, Ode to Joy seemed to say it all. Um, and yes, we moved to Melbourne, which was a bit of an experience. Um, I actually went overseas during the time mum moved, poor mum, and went on a, te- a tour with Tanya Pearson, another teacher from Sydney, and we went to Russia, Switzerland, and did competitions in um, London and uh, Lausanne so when I arrived back in Australia mum had moved to Melbourne and um, it was sort of the start of a new chapter in both our lives but we met some wonderful friends and you know, she was very supportive um, and that, that's where that Australian ballet school journey began
0: yeah so you went for an audition you got a letter Oh, to Joy's pump, <laughs> pumping out of the car in celebration and the very next thing you're on a plane with it was it a group of strangers <laughs> to go overseas
1: yeah um, other girls around my age and a few teachers um, we flew via Singapore uh, to London we competed in the Genet competition which is an international Royal Academy of Dance competition um, I don't think I did brilliantly there were certainly some of my friends um, well my friends did win the gold medal which was very exciting I got to the semi-finals which I think I was disappointed about at the time but in hindsight you know to get that far was, was great Um, I particularly enjoyed the competition in Lausanne, the Prix de Lausanne, where there were students from all around the world. It was more European, I suppose, um, with the dancers and their training. Um, We we also did contemporary, so it wasn't sort of just Royal Academy of Dance based, um, but I think a fabulous experience for life. And I think the dance world really does connect internationally. It's phenomenal because, as you know, Ballet terminology is all in French, so if we could go into a class in Russia, that was the other exciting place we got to go, um, you know, and they would just say plie tendu jete, and we know what to do, we don't, even though we don't speak Russian. Or, so it's an amazingly connecting um, training form, I suppose.
0: Mm. I guess that's when they say sometimes that dance is a, a universal language. Yeah.
1: That's the words I was looking for, exactly. <laughs>
0: So today we're talking about discipline um, and I know there's more to your story about what you're doing now, but I'm really curious about wh- what does it really take to be a ballet dancer? I know that as a child I had, I started ballet when I was three and I wanted to grow up and be a beautiful ballerina with beautiful outfits and I had ballet dancer sheets and everything was dedicated to ballet. So what does it really take to to have got to the point where you were selected and then the ongoing and discipline that even the mindset can you give us a bit of an idea of I know I covered a lot of things just there but if you give us a bit of a a broad picture of what it's really like to be a ballet dancer
1: well um, all of those things definitely come into it Um, I can remember particularly around the the age of 15 I was very focused and dedicated I'd get up you know, probably six o'clock in the morning and I'd stretch at home before going to ballet. Um, Certainly it's inevitable that there is a focus on ballet, uh, on body image with ballet. Um, So diet was also a very important part of... um, achieving the right physique which was something that certainly didn't come naturally to me I always always had a more athletic figure and a little bit more sort of feminine curves um, which was not the ideal for the time particularly um, with the previous director of the Australian Ballet there was an emphasis on being particularly thin so that was something I had to sort of be very disciplined with and work at and definitely sacrifice Um, so there was certainly no Treats, and um, you know, occasionally I would break my diet, but um, I think that took an enormous amount of dedication to eat like that for a number of years. Um, and what else were we covering? <laughs> Sorry.
0: So the mindset. How do you how do you get out of bed as a teenager and devote your whole day to? The, the body work and the mind work connecting with the music and being being a ballet dancer is it something that you had to struggle with in your own mind or is it something that you were just so passionate about being a dancer that it came very easily or were there days where it was tricky
1: I think it came relatively easily because I loved it so much um, I suppose sometimes when You were injured so for example shin splints or you know an ankle injury and that sets you back that could be very frustrating and you have to sort of struggle a bit. Uh, I've always uh, found that Pilates has kept me on track from the age of 15 uh, when it pretty much first came to Australia back in 1987 I started doing Pilates then and that's become um, an interesting thing in my life that has linked both my dancing years and then me now as a mum of three and a ballet teacher um, it's just it it keeps your discipline and your focus uh, day by day so there's this sort of mind body spirit connection that is emphasized in Pilates and I do really believe that because I don't think if you, if you don't feel active and um, fit you don't feel as happy so I think it definitely has an impact on Um, endorphins and happy hormones and and that sort of thing the music I think is um, an integral part of my passion for dance I think it's probably the main reason I love dancing and I know now um, I have a ballet school and when I'm choreographing it's just got to be the right music that um, excites me and motivates me Um, but and I listen to lots of classical music throughout the day and I find it just keeps me calm and um, just you know can lift your spirit it it, um, has an enormous impact on your life so I think that's part of the reason I love dance.
0: So it sounds like there's an equal passion there for the dance and for the music. Mm. So I know that some of the listeners might be a little bit curious as a lay person, because I didn't aspire to become a ballet dancer. That the listeners might be a bit curious about some of the rumours, I guess you could call it, around the discipline and eating and the thinness that we see in ballet dancers. I mean, was there a spectrum? Was there a really healthy view with some dance schools and, and perhaps an unhealthier view? What's the truth in your experience? of how, um, what was the priority in terms of the, body, the dancer's body or their food or was the health sort of put second to size? What's, what's your view?
1: That's an interesting and complicated topic. Um, in my experience, I think that there are a few really fortunate people who are almost a freak of nature to have genetically just the right body type to be a classical dancer. Um, You know, some people are just naturally thin and seem to be able to eat anything. But I think, in all honesty, for many people, it was a struggle and an enormous amount of discipline was needed to try and achieve that aesthetic beauty and line. I do feel that today there is a more athletic, strong body type that has become... More popular, I, th- I think ballet has received lots of attention lately. I suppose it's—I it, I know when I go to to Brisbane or Sydney, I see signposts everywhere for um, and billboards for different ballet companies and dancers also advertising different products and and their athleticism, their beauty, their line is a very positive thing now. They're, but I think in previous years the focus on thinness was too much, and definitely I know some people that I have danced with have suffered um, eating disorders and. Later in life, fertility problems and things like that that arose from, you know, being so thin for so long. You know, some girls didn't get their periods till they were about 20 and that sort of thing, which obviously is not good. <laughs>
0: no. So tell us, what do you mean by line? What What is the line? I suppose because dance is
1: a performing art, as, as an artist might see a figure and, and sketch it, there'll always be that beautiful flow. So that's an incredibly important part of of ballet it's like having a perfectly tuned instrument I suppose playing just the right notes so line might be from you know the fingertips through to the toes and the line of the spine Uh, particularly line of legs and feet are, are important for dancers so to have beautifully arched feet and slightly sway back legs is the sort of ideal although they are ideal for a dancer although they're often a little bit weaker to start with a bit like a foal when they're born they struggle on their legs and they need to gain strength in order to sort of overcome that weakness but eventually that can become the most beautiful line of a dancer's leg.
0: Hmm. That sounds very beautiful. (laughs) So I was also doing another, another bit of research into discipline and particularly in the context of ballet and you spoke beautifully about music and the connection there with the body. And in this particular article, it talks a lot about um, the symbolic interaction of music and dancer. But one sentence that struck me was that the body knows how to move to the music and thoughts of the self don't enter into it. Can you tell me what it was like to be on stage and have that beautiful line and feeling strong and feeling healthy and, and having that total connection? Can you tell us a bit about your experience of performing?
1: I think with the music, if you ha- if you do perform with a live orchestra, that brings a different dynamic where you are a little bit more on edge, you don't know exactly the speed the conductor might be playing at, etc. But I think when it's sort of synonymous, the, the dance and the music, uh, it's an incredibly beautiful moment. And I know when I take my girls um, or some students to see the ballet, that's one thing that they they truly love there's just nothing like that um, beautiful music it just carries you to other places Uh, one thing that Martha Graham a famous American choreographer and founder of contemporary dance said the most important count in music is and and I think it's very much about that anticipation a dancer has to almost be like a cat ready to pounce so every muscle is prepared to move really quickly but I often say to my students that dancers need to be the visualisation of the music. You know, somebody who might be playing an instrument will see the music written on a score on the page, but um, dancers um, sort of do become the music. I think that when you're dancing on stage, there's just nothing like that feeling of exhilaration. The adrenaline, the endorphins are on an absolute high, and I think that, for a number of people, is quite addictive. And I know when I first stopped dancing, um, which my my professional career was very brief, really. It was only sort of about um, two years. But you do sort of come down off a high, I suppose. Like sounds like some drug addict, but um, there's just nothing like that feeling of of uh, of being on stage and reciprocating with the audience and everything coming together just at the right time. After all, all the practice and hard work.
0: Hmm. Now, um, before when we were arranging this interview, I asked you, could you talk about being a ballerina? And you very quickly corrected me. Can you tell me what error I had made when I called you a ballerina?
1: Well, ballerina is really reserved for very few elite dancers. For example, principal dancers of the Australian Ballet or International stars um, so it's kind of far too high an accolade (laughs) for someone who really only danced briefly so really just a dancer is is what I would say that I had achieved.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Wow so it really sounds like it was quite an experience from day one all that travel overseas and and the discipline and and experiencing different choreographers and different dancers so where did dancing lead you to where are you you know how did you get to where you are now?
1: Um, after I left the Australian Ballet School I was fortunate enough to receive a contract with um, the Australian Opera or Opera Australia as it's now called which was audition for each contract every three months um, so we got to perform in some fabulous operas including uh, Carmen, Turandot, Romeo and Juliet, And then I was unemployed, which was a bit of a shock to the system after all that discipline through your life and having the structure of your day organised. I think I floundered there for a while just thinking, what do I do? And I tried to, you know, keep going to classes and doing Pilates and swimming and keeping myself fit. But I think mentally that was a really tough time because suddenly that whole structure was gone. So I also auditioned, I also um, extraed with the Australian Ballet, just walk on parts, which was still lovely to be part of those big ballet productions. Um... But after that I think I just found a time where I didn't it, it wasn't making me happy anymore I wasn't feeling fulfilled I sort of still felt this pressure to try and you know maintain lower body weight and all those things um, and I decided to try teaching my previous my old teacher asked me to come back to the school and teach and I found I had a real rapport with the students I loved working with kids they always seemed to be so positive and happy and and adoring, which is lovely. So I went into teaching. I did just briefly have a, um, a second thought when I was about sort of 21. I had my own ballet school in Sydney and was going out with my now husband uh, um, my friends that I danced with at the Australian Ballet School many had gone on to dance with Sydney Dance Company Hong Kong Ballet, the Australian Ballet and were doing all sorts of amazing things and I thought am I going to look back in 10 years time and regret this decision to stop dancing so I went back to full time ballet um, back as a student and still taught at that school as well and that's when I travelled overseas auditioning for ballet companies throughout Europe and Scandinavia with... A very close friend. We know a lot about each other, as you can imagine, traveling and staying in youth hostels. Um, unfortunately, that didn't really work out. I mean, we, we could have got a slightly dodgy job in sort of Eastern Bloc places, but are we go, "No, I don't think we really want to live here." So that was when I just reached this decision to stop dancing, finally, and to come back and try and be a normal person, which I don't think I'm achieving. <laughs> not really normal but anyway um it was it felt like a weight had been lifted off my shoulders and it felt like a bit of a relief I remember I was, we were just walking through this beautiful church in Norway um in Oslo and I just kind of it just hit me that I didn't have to do it anymore which was sad and I felt I'd let a lot of people down but um at the same time it was the right decision and came back and went into teaching got engaged that sort of thing <laughs>
0: So it's like you have a different fan base, by the sounds of it. Now, with your with the children that you teach, tell us about that transition from being, as you said, so disciplined and and so focused on your body, to transferring that knowledge to young people. What's it like to be a teacher of ballet now?
1: I feel very blessed. I think it's a wonderful job. As I mentioned, you know, children are so loving, and I think particularly because we live in a country town, you know. I I do have that reputation as Miss Alyssa or even some of the dads in the supermarket say hello Miss Alyssa <laughs> mm-hmm. so uh, that recognition and and love of the children I you know get lots of little cards saying you know you're the best ballet teacher <laughs> even though I'm probably their only ballet teacher but anyway to feel I think to feel loved and valued as part of the community and to bring that gift of dance to a younger generation of students who might not otherwise have that opportunity is incredibly rewarding.
0: So I'm wondering if you can tell us a little bit about or three things perhaps that you've learned about other people through your experience of either travelling through Europe as a teenager or transitioning um, out of dance or people and their bodies, how they see their bodies. What have you learned through your experiences of being a dancer and a dance teacher?
1: I think at the forefront of my mind, uh, one thing I learnt from... An amazing Australian choreographer who I had the privilege to work with briefly in the opera, Graham Murphy who many of you would know I learnt from him that the best way to get something out of people is to be encouraging and uh, to them so we might have had other directors who would scream at us and go that was terrible, do it again, what are you doing whereas he would go ladies, that was wonderful now let's try it like this and we all went oh he's so lovely and you wanted to please him I suppose so that is something I've learnt, not just with dance, but I think throughout life. If you treat people well, they will respond much better to you. Um, other things I've learnt, as I mentioned before, that universal language and how connecting dance is. Even even now, even though I live in a country town, I still feel very connected with A lot of my dance friends some of that is thanks to social media that I've only recently discovered (laughs) but I felt like I dropped off the face of the earth so that connection that we had through some pretty intense times those friends that I danced with um I think we had a lot of ups and downs together and that brought us in together in such a close way that I don't share that connection with a lot of other people so I think that dance can be incredibly connecting um for many for many uh, people and that that travels with you through your life I need a third thing don't I Mm. (laughs) I suppose that uh, that discipline that I had with dance I'm a bit lost without it I'm not I'm not nearly as disciplined as I used to be but as I mentioned you know to do Pilates even just a couple of times a week just keeps me on track and keeps that connection with your body and your mind and your spirit. So I think that that is a really important thing I've learned. And that's something that I intend to continue with, you know, till I'm 80 or however old I am. I'm not one of these people who's going to go to CrossFit and bash my body um, just because you think you should. You know, I think that you you need to really nurture your body, look after your body. And I think perhaps for women in particular, they they race around looking after everybody else. So part of the thing I love about Pilates is it's like a reward for you and your body not a punishment which many forms of exercise seem to be especially these days
0: sounds lovely (laughs) now um we talked as you know we're talking about discipline today and one of as i mentioned before i think that discipline can be um we can think that it's something really harsh and something ritualistic that we have to put ourselves through which i so i love what you just said about pilates um but as i mentioned before discipline um in the article that I read, she talked about it. Um, discipline being just your commitment to brush your teeth, or to drink your one liter of water, or the golfer, or even your commitment or discipline to watch your favorite TV show every Wednesday night, or whatever it might be. So, in some ways, we all are disciplined, but sometimes it it's this discipline on a, on another level, like dance or Pilates, that allows you to be more prepared for the challenges that come in. So I'm wondering if you can give it, I know you've just mentioned Pilates, but you also seem passionate about music. Is that something else that you've used um, as, as um, something to keep yourself balanced?
1: Definitely. Um, as I said, I tend to have classical music um, radio on uh, most of the day, and I think that does provide structure to your day. And I love listening to um, Christopher Lawrence and Margaret Throsby on radio. Am I allowed to say that? <laughs> <laughs> um, so I think yeah, music has that incredible power to lift us from what can be a mundane routine into something quite amazing. It can just transport you, I suppose. I've noticed recently when I've been uh, going to the theatre that people seem to be so attached to their phones that are lighting up you know, during the overture of a ballet or something, which is really meant to just mentally prepare you for what's about to happen behind the curtain. And I, I think it's a fascinating thing in society that... Um, That people are so attached to their technology that they have to catch up on what's going on with their friends or play some silly candy crush game or something when they're about to witness an amazing piece of theatre.
0: Actually that's a beautiful analogy I love that so that the overture is what prepares you mentally for what's coming up next and that's just so fitting with our discipline that we're talking about here because what we're saying is that sometimes even the simplest forms of discipline can help you prepare for some of the biggest forms of discipline and not to doubt ourselves that we don't have what it takes to whether it's to become a dancer or whether it's just to um, eat in a different way that's healthier for us or whether it's to commit to a four-minute Tabata um, exercise or whether it's to go to a Pilates class. So I love that. So there's that that mental preparation for the next step. So maybe we need to look at ourselves and see where we are already disciplined and draw on that discipline to go to the next level. So so what else? is there anything else that you do that keeps you balanced?
1: Um, I, we, We've got two ferocious Labradors, uh, so I do <laughs> love to take them for a walk. And I think... Um that's just one of those little things I enjoy doing but none of it happens as often as I would hope I must say um I always envisage that I'll you know wake with sunrise and do Pilates you know but it doesn't it doesn't quite happen so I think it's good to be kind to yourself and just say something's better than nothing you don't have to do something every single day religiously but um to just keep it going and and every day is a fresh day. Um, we, I, love, I love swimming and I think that's another um, great way to just have time by yourself and you can't really do anything else. Occasionally families, you know, go for, we go for a bushwalk or uh, that sort of thing and you can't think I should be folding the washing, I should be doing this and that. It's just be in the moment. So I think that's a lovely thing to re- remember.
0: Yes, being in the moment. Mm-hmm. Now, um, if someone would like their um, child or even as an adult to start dancing so should they they just google royal academy of dance and they should be able to find locations and things like that where the closest dance is
1: yeah i think um certainly we can gain such incredible access to information um with the computer um dance australia is another great magazine that has sort of a list of schools in the background uh in the back of pages sorry um and I do. I'm trained in Royal Academy of Dance, as we said, but I also did Chaletti ballet and Russian. So there are lots of wonderful methods in Australia, and some new Australian methods of dance too. So I think you've just got to find the right teacher for your child um, is also incredibly important. I do have so many um, ladies, in particular say to me oh you know I did ballet when I was five or six but I had the most horrendous teacher who you know told mum I had two left feet and was like a baby elephant or something and you think oh how sad that that closed that door on you know something that should be part of so many people's lives it's a shame I think in Australia that other than Indigenous dance we don't have any um, sort of dance in our culture really Um, it it should it is so much a part of other people's other cultures Um, so I, I think everyone everybody just putting on some music after dinner and getting up and having a dance would be great good for the
0: happy hormones too (laughs) that would be wonderful wouldn't i I can just see it now restaurants around australia having a a little dance (laughs) well thank you so much Alyssa. i really enjoyed hearing about what it's really like to be a ballet dancer not a ballerina i'll remember i'll remember that forever Um, Well, I hope that you found today's information valuable. Don't forget to support the show by telling your friends or you can go to our Facebook page, Carrie Thompson Casey, that's Thompson without a P, and like us there and give us your feedback about today's show. You can also subscribe to the show in iTunes. Don't forget to give us a five-star rating if you liked it. You can also support us by going to the website, CarrieThompsonCasey.com, and you can subscribe there to the newsletter. Thank you for joining me and see you on the next episode of The Abnormal Psychologist, where we share real people's stories and give you real ideas so that you can realize your potential. Take care. Hi, it's Damien Christoph here. 2015 marks perhaps the most important event the Wellness Couch has ever conducted. We've had two sold-out wellness summits these last years, but honestly, nothing will come close to our first ever wellness breakthrough – your favorite wellness couch experts, the Up For Chat girls, Quirky cooking is Joe Whitten, Stu Hayes, Marcus Pierce, and of course the wellness guys are all gathering in Dandong Ranges for three days and two nights for one incredible event. If you want possibly the greatest peer group in health and wellness to help you catapult your life to the next level, then we'd love to see you at the wellness breakthrough in February. For more information, go to www.thewellnesscouch.com.